It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. There's this dream, some say it's a myth, that America is a place where anything is possible, whether it's on the Western frontier or the world of business where anyone can strike it rich. It's because Americans are historically champions of rugged individualism. So it makes sense that in the United States, there's often an enduring obsession with the self-made man. But lately, there seems to be one industry whose leaders get mythologized more than any other. When the biographers and historians write the history of the 20th century, Bill Gates is going to go down as the best businessman of our century. Elon Musk is a lot like the kid in the comic book whose fantasies turn into reality, but not as a magician. He did it as an engineer. From a 17-year-old mother to a child genius to valedictorian to McDonald's to hedge fund senior executive to online book salesman to millionaire to billionaire, Jeff Bezos has shown that perseverance is king. We've had very famous, well-known business leaders before, tycoons, the railroad tycoons, John Rockefeller, Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, but they weren't celebrities in the same way that these tech celebrities are. That's Margaret O'Mara professor at the University of Washington and a historian of Silicon Valley. Omer has written about how tech tycoons are exceptional in many ways, but their place as heroes in the public imagination may be overblown. The reality is that innovation is a group endeavor. You know, close your eyes and think inventor, and maybe you th it's a very singular thing, right? Think of Thomas Edison and his lab. Well, Thomas Edison just outside the frame of the picture of him in his lab, there were hundreds of people working for him. And that's the case for all of these tech tycoons. Certainly, they have extraordinary qualities and have things that set them apart, um, leadership skills, um, particular things that make them good at what they do, or they were just lucky in that they're, they were right place, right time as well. But there are other people, a cast of thousands, that enables them to do what they do. So at the time, Thomas Edison was a, a huge celebrity, much in the same way that, say, Elon Musk is a celebrity today. What's behind our impulse to make celebrities out of these tech billionaires and visionaries? Why is the tech industry so fascinating to the American public? Well, I think it has to do not just about what's going on in tech, but what's going on in America and the world. So think about the late 70s and early 80s when people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates first started appearing on the cover of magazines. What else is going on in America then? Well, it's not a lot of good business news, that's for sure, right? You have car companies, steel mills, all of these once great American manufacturing industries that are struggling. In the 1970s, the United States found itself squeezed not only by energy shortages, but by old adversaries. West Germany and Japan were now challenging American competitiveness in everything from steel to electronics. And business itself has kind of a bad reputation, it's, you know, greedy and polluting. And, you know, this is still the post-60s generation, you know, criticizing the establishment. Government, too, doesn't have a great reputation. It's, it's uh, The economy isn't great. People who want to work but can't find jobs are part of today's other bad economic news. The unemployment rate soared to 8.2% nationwide last month, and it rose to an even... All of a sudden, you have these new-style young CEOs that are 
technical people and and promising that, you know, the future lies in these new technologies that are exciting and transformative. And uh, they're different than what we you would expect. And they're nerdy. And that is also kind of fitting into this new emerging knowledge industry. This These are industries that, you know, you need smart people and good technology to make them work. So they're coming in at a right moment, addressing a, a hunger and a need for a new kind of hero. Well, I wonder how much do you think that tech celebrities like Elon Musk and formerly Steve Jobs, how much of them courting attention has to do with their prevailing myths and, and their, their celebrity? Are they using this attention economy as a business strategy or is it just ego? No, I think it's very conscious. It can't just be purely courting attention. There has to be some there there. But I think the ability not just to get people's attention by, well, in case of Elon Musk, you know, tweeting stream of consciousness <laughs> things that everyone pays attention to. But I think Steve Jobs is a great, great example and quite frankly, created a model that so many of these CEOs and these leaders continue to emulate, which is he was a storyteller. Today, I want to tell you three stories from my life. That's it. No big deal. He was really, really good at telling a story about the product he was selling. Um, if you go back to the very early days of Apple, um, and this is a this is actually a very common pattern we see in tech to this day, where you have, in the case of Apple, you have the two Steves. You have Steve Jobs and Wozniak. Wozniak was, he was the technical genius. He was the person who designed this machine that could take a kind of cheap chip and turn it into a really, really great desktop computer. But he was not the spokesman. He was not someone who could tell a story about why someone would want to spend upwards of $2,000 on this thing. Steve Jobs could. He could talk about how a computer was like a bicycle for the mind, how it was something that made you better at what you did. Well, speaking of larger-than-life tech celebrities, let's talk a little bit more about Elon Musk. He's often portrayed as the forward-thinking visionary who got rich because he was so smart and inventive and brilliant um, and wants us to think that he's using all that money and brilliance to, to save humanity from itself. How does the reality of Elon's life and career differ from this myth of him? I mean, Elon is fascinating. <laughs> He's kind of the extreme uh, example of this. I mean, Elon's career trajectory is like a lot of people in Silicon Valley, some of whom are well-known and very successful, some of whom aren't. You know, he's one of those Gen Xers who comes to the Valley um, and comes into the technology industry in the 1990s. Very incredibly driven and relentless, unapologetic. It's not there to win the congeniality award. But in the Valley, that that culture is encouraged and it is rewarded in, in cases. But what's so interesting about him, he's a Silicon Valley mogul, but also not. I mean, he's his companies are, you know, it's rockets and, and electric vehicles. It's he's a manufacturer. He's a different sort of CEO in a way. A lot of the businesses he's doing have more in common with the old economy, um, the titans of the first Gilded Age, than the new economy. Even though they are as technologically saturated as any other big tech company is. No doubt that Elon Musk has invented things or his companies have built things that have changed the world. They've changed the way the space industry works. They've changed the way the car industry works. But he also has a habit of making promises that he doesn't keep or, or hasn't yet kept. What are some examples of that? Yes, he makes bold promises that are news to some of the people who are... <laughs> 
who are responsible for delivering on those promises saying, you know, we're going to have fully autonomous vehicles. We're going to do this in this, in, in these incredibly tight timelines that make for headlines. You know, Musk is very good at getting people to pay attention, doing spectacular things, just as Steve Jobs was. We want the exciting things that we see in sci-fi and like sci-fi movies and books. We want that to come true one day. But yeah, he makes big promises. People remember the promises and maybe they don't always follow up on, well, did you exactly deliver on that? So there's a greatest showman element to him that really exceeds that of many, many others in tech, which is quite saying something. But over-promising, gosh, I mean, that was, you know, Microsoft was the company that the term vaporware was <laughs> coined for. There was a, you know, it was notorious for saying, yeah, we're do these things and then um, and then shipping something that was kind of not quite ready for prime time and using the first generation of users as their mass beta test. So move forward and we'll apologize later and hopefully that'll work. Well, going back into history and the culture of moving fast and, and breaking things, I, I wonder besides Steve Jobs, who you would cast as the first person to inhabit the role of enigmatic tech genius. Bill Gates comes to mind for me. Yeah, I think. And, and you know, Gates and Jobs are, are contemporaneous. And yeah, the quirks of their personality, the quirks of Gates' personality is part of the celebrity, which is so interesting. Gates also has this quality of, of focus and relentlessness that also set him apart. And again, not really caring that much about what people think um, and being a nerd and is unafraid to throw some elbows and, and really do what it took to become as dominant as they did. Right. There is a, a ruthlessness about Gates that I feel like a lot of people forget about, but it's also the sort of mentality that brought him in front of Congress in the late 90s and sort of yeah. led to one of the biggest antitrust cases of our time. Oh, yeah. You know, Microsoft now has a formidable government relations operation and is the grown up in the room these days in the tech world uh, in terms of its public image. And so it's easy to forget that back in the 1990s, when there was really only one big tech company, uh, and that was Microsoft, because Windows was just making it dominant, the US government and the FTC starts looking into Microsoft's market practices and possible unfair competitive practices. Do all of the non-Microsoft browsers that you're aware of compete with Internet Explorer? In the sense that users select which browser they want to use, yes. Gates famously says, you know, he kind of blows it off. He's like, the worst thing could happen to me when I went, if I go to Washington, is that I fall down the steps of the FTC and hit my head and kill myself <laughs> or, or die. I'm paraphrasing. Phrasing. It was just this, like, you know, this has no bearing on our business. And our purpose here is to grow as large as possible. And also the subtext, and this continues, everything from Gates kind of blowing off the government in the 90s. And today with Elon Musk acquiring Twitter or attempting to acquire Twitter and, you know, not really following the SEC rules, it's like, you know, we're different. Our business is different. Technology industry is different. We're, we've brought so much to the world. We're doing so much. And these government bureaucrats are just trying to keep us down. And they, they're, what they're doing has no relevance to us. So it sounds like you're saying there is a concerted effort from some of these tech billionaires to remain visionaries, even as they have built established companies. It's really important to them that they are 
thought of as world-changing technologists. And someone else that comes to mind who's recently made a pivot is Jeff Bezos. He built Amazon into this behemoth, and he recently stepped down as CEO to focus on his rocket ship company. Yeah, no one wants to be a dinosaur. The problem is, of course, that every corporation one day is a dinosaur. <laughs> You're always going to have some next, some new guy who shows up. But yeah, they want to maintain that, the, the newness and the freshness. As companies mature and grow large, then you get more the less fun stuff, the headaches, the bad press, the congressional hearings. I, I have to imagine that part of the reason that Jeff Bezos was like, okay, time for me to go is having to zoom into congressional hearings. <laughs> you could just see on his face, like, why am I here? And that doesn't mean he shouldn't have been <laughs> called up to Congress to, to discuss Amazon's business practices. But that is not something that is in the tech visionary job description. It was not something that some of these earlier CEOs had to deal with. Steve Jobs didn't have to get called up in front of Congress. Tim Cook did, <laughs> but not Jobs. And after all, myth-making is more fun, isn't it? I, I feel like I have a picture in my head of Jeff Bezos the first time, or maybe I guess the only time he went to space actually wearing a cowboy hat. The richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, will soon blast off into space. And I think the, the public is more interested in that as well. They're more interested in seeing Bezos send William Shatner into space than they are in seeing him sit on Capitol Hill in front of a, a congressional committee. Yeah, when he wore the cowboy hat, I love that. <laughs> you just got to lean into the space cowboy. And yeah, it's the, and it fits, you know, going back to John Wayne, it's doubling down on this. I'm a rugged individualist. I'm I'm building things. And, you know, and, and that, too, is a myth. You know, the myth of the the Western frontier, these founding myths that animate so much of the tech industry. You know, how many times do tech people talk about frontiers and being pioneers Popular culture has distilled and amplified these myths and and two, the kind of distillation in pop culture of the myths of these individual technologists that also turns them into inventors, too, when they're not inventors. They're not people who are sitting in a lab tinkering. Elon Musk does not go and, you know, think about battery power. I mean, he has people who are doing it, but he's not the inventor. There's, you know, they even when they have their name on patents, there are many other people on those patents. It's a it's a very different process than we like to think. Well, as you've explained, this myth of the American tech genius is not new. It is also not changed much since you could argue the 18th century if you want to say that Benjamin Franklin was the original American tech genius. Is there any reason to believe that it's going to change in this century looking forward? You know, this is a very durable myth, and it extends back a long way. It is intertwined with the individualism and the dislike of central authority or being told what to do that really animated the American Revolution. It is baked into American culture, even though that culture uh, and this place has changed so radically since the 1770s. You know, is it going to change? Is it going to go away? Mm, 
kind of hard to say. I mean, this is a heroic story that is transcendent, you know, the story of the seeker, the, the individual who is trying to um, do extraordinary things. That again, that's not just an American story, that's a, it's a human story that has um, great traction. So instead of saying, well, let's, let's do away with it, <laughs> let's understand the broader context of why some of these individuals have achieved the success they have, including the personal qualities and the relentless focus and the work <laughs> that they did. But let's also recognize all of the circumstances that allowed them to do what they did. You know, looking at the history, looking at the context, it's not as fun. I mean, it's so much more fun to think of, here's a hero, here's Tony Stark, here's someone flying in on their jetpack, saving the day. We love that. But we can go to the movies and see that and cheer on those fictional characters and just remind ourselves that, yes, the, the world is full of brilliant, brilliant people including millions, if not billions, of brilliant people that we've never heard of. <laughs> and so how do we lift up human capability and brilliance in all sectors, in all ways, and everywhere, and not just put a few people on a pedestal? Margaret, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was great being here. Thanks, Adam. This episode was produced and engineered by John Ahrens. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.